This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to this Mark Hughes out, Ralph Hasenhutl in New Manager Special Total Saints podcast. The three of us are here as per normal, your regulars, that's myself, Ben Stanfield, at Ben Stanners, Adam Leach from the Daily Echo, the Chief Sports Writer, at Adam Leach Sport, and Steve Grant, the owner of Saints Web, at Steve Grant 1983. We're ready to have a good chat about yet another busy week at St Mary's. Alongside us this time out, also keen to add his insight into the conversation, is Reed Southampton and Fresh Press's Luke Osman at Luke Osman RS. Luke, good to have you with us. Uh, how are you keeping? Thank you very much for having me. I'm doing well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, we're not too bad. I think uh, busy as ever. There's uh, no such thing as a quiet day, Adam, is there? Not this week. We say that every week. Yeah, it does seem to be pretty busy, especially at the moment. Um, I'm, I'm now, I, if I sound slightly delirious tonight, I think uh, on this podcast, it's simply because I'm, I think I am now just running on adrenaline yeah. and I'm attempting to get through the weekend and then let the adrenaline levels drop and have an inevitable crash. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah but it's been, it has been a really busy, well, to be honest, it's been a busy week and a half, uh, sort of building up to all this and, and then everything that's happened and, and obviously having a couple of midweek away games chucked into the mix just for a good old laugh is, um, <laughs> Yeah, has really <laughs> made it one to remember. Excellent. Well, it's good to have uh, everyone on the pod, and uh, hopefully everyone will uh, enjoy listening to this. Um, this special pod, which I should add for our TSP patrons out there, we're not going to be charging you for, so it is free. Um, so, uh, you know, a bonus one, which is good. Um, we'll discuss further the um, arrival of Ralph uh, Hasenhutl to the hot seat at St Mary's and what the future now looks like under him. To help with um, additional sort of insight into that, we're going to be joined by uh, three experts throughout the podcast as well. First up is Archie Rind-Tut, um, a dedicated Bundesliga 
Bundesliga reporter for Fox Soccer and the Guardian Football Weekly, and he's had the opportunity to meet and interview Hassan Hutel a couple of times over in Germany. We'll also be hearing from Chris Williams, who works for the International Sports Press Association and, uh, again, specialises in the Bundesliga. And finally, James Parsons, a Leipzig-based Saints fan who owns a language and translation company, Wordcraft International, and he's been working with RB Leipzig, Ralph Hassan Hutel and his players since their arrival into the Champions and Europa League. Just before we move on, um, a quick shout out to our latest patron, Ginny Marshall. So Ginny's uh, signed up to become a TSP patron via patreon.com. Just wanted to give her a quick shout out. She sent an email through to the three of us, um, so I'll read that now. It says, Dear Adam, Ben and Steve, I've just pledged to support you on Patreon. Loving the podcast so far. I grew up in Southampton, but have now moved to the Netherlands to do a PhD, and I really enjoy listening to your podcast while I work in the lab. I'm one of the moderators on subreddit, um, which I believe is uh, probably a competitor of yours, Steve, I think, isn't it? Reddit.com? Uh, technically, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, well, we'll give it one shout out because Ginny's uh, signed up. But uh, yeah, reddit.com slash rsaintsfc, which uh, apparently, from Ginny's point of view, is a very good board for discussing Saints as well. So uh, there we go. But uh, let's cut to the chase. This is the Total Saints podcast, episode 53, our Ralph Hasenhutel special. And we are, of course, sponsored by happyhottubs.co.uk. HappyHotTubs.co.uk At Happy Hot Tubs we specialise in hot tubs. It's all we've done for 35 years. So if you're thinking about a hot tub and want to speak to someone, then we're the place for honest, clear and friendly advice. Plus, right now we have 0% available on our hot tubs, meaning you can spread the cost in easy payments. You deserve happy. Come and get it at Happy Hot Tubs. Conditions apply. Visit HappyHotTubs.co.uk HappyHotTubs.co.uk 0% excludes free throw range. It won't have gone unnoticed to many Saints fans this week that Mark Hughes was sacked and then replaced by Austrian coach and former English stat and RB Leipzig man Ralf Hasenhutl. The 51-year-old signing a two-and-a-half-year contract through until the summer of 2021. Before we go on to talk about him in a bit more detail, Adam, a quick word on Mark Hughes and the sort of decision to, to get rid of him. I know it's one that you were sort of generally against at that time, so not necessarily a shock, but the timing is being questioned by many people. Well, it did seem odd timing in, you know, in the context of um, improving performances, though not improving results, which I guess ultimately is is what's uh, done for him. Um, I would still say it does seem the timing does seem slightly strange. Um, it, it does appear that though they've got in somebody who who it does seem like will be a very good fit, it is a strange time to bring them in. I mean, the overall. Um, sense it has to still be this complete void of long-term planning that's taken place at Saints because um, there's absolutely no reason that all of this really couldn't have been done in the summer the Les Reed uh, moving on I think it now becomes pretty clear really that um, Mark Hughes being Les Reed's man that, that they just wanted a clean sweep and to kind of start again well they could have come to that assessment at the end of last season and, and they might not find themselves with one win in 15 at the moment had they done that um, and also the new man uh, Ralph Hasenhutl obviously um, had he taken over in the summer would have had a whole summer to work with his team rather than coming in, in in the middle of a season so I suppose if it turns out right we will definitely say it's better late than never but the whole timing of, of the situation seems odd and even if this guy does turn out to be a great manager which we, we hope he will um, or and we hope he is then he's still facing a very tough task this season probably to keep Saints in the Premier League it's, it's still very very possible it's very tight down the bottom but it's still going to be very hard for him even if he is a really great manager and again you turn around and say well 
you know that's that seems like a, again a lack of planning um to, to have allowed it to get to this stage four managers now in less than 18 months i mean mm. that is that is well that's shambolic i mean that is catastrophic uh really to be honest to have got to that point of all these payoffs shelled out 30 odd million and all these people i mean it's just and when you consider some of the terrible signings i mean in that period as well i mean the money that's been wasted uh, and when you see how desperately the squad require a few more high quality players it's not been great but hopefully this is the start of something better and i'm still not convinced that it was quite even the right time to have done this um as such because i think it's actually boxed the new manager into a difficult corner uh, to start with which i think is unfortunate but uh, nonetheless I, i will at least say that if you're gonna be try and be positive and proactive even though i i think this isn't quite the right time in a way uh, at least they've had the gumption to get on and do it and they've stuck their neck out now because as has been you know pointed out to me as well this this probably is a kind of a last roll of the dice for Ralph Kruger because there's nobody else left to blame now if this goes wrong so um at least he's had the courage of his convictions to just get on with it and you kind of do have to admire that really Indeed, and you know, I have to say from my point of view, and I think I've been quite vocal about it the last few weeks, um, I wasn't surprised and or disappointed to see Mark Hughes go, but out of courtesy, you know, obviously wish him all the best, and uh, it's a shame that it hasn't worked out. So drawing a line under all of that then, Steve, day one as we record of uh, Ralph Hughes-Hartel's uh, career as a Saints fan. So what's your immediate thoughts on his appointment? Yeah, I'm very pleased. Um, certainly watching his initial press conference, he knows he seems to have a very good idea of what he wants how he wants to go about it and he's got very sort of distinct ideas on how he wants the game to be played so I guess we wait and see now to see how how long he can get those ideas across to the players um I mean there doesn't appear to be any particular language barrier there he spoke very good English and I don't think he'll necessarily have too many issues in terms of being able to communicate with the players it's a case of whether the players are so far down this sort of malaise that that's kind of inflicted the squad in the last two years, really including the back end of Claude Puel's time mm. um, as to whether we've gone too, too far down that road with a number of players who are still here from, from that period to be able to rectify things. I mean, at the end of the day, we're only, we're only a point off safety at the moment. So it's not, it's not irretrievable. Um, I mean, we're quite lucky that, I mean, then the other year, nine points from 15 games, you would be, you would be cut adrift at the bottom. Mm. Um, and yet we're third from bottom. It's ridiculous. I think it's going to give people give people an initial lift at least until five o'clock Saturday afternoon. <laughs> we'll see what see what happens there. Don't know. I mean, you don't know how how much of an impact he's going to be able to have on that short period of time. But realistically, you're going to have a lot of players who are thinking, "Oh Christ, um, I better pull my finger out now." Mm. Um, and it was it was noticeable that shall we say certain players put in significantly more effort in the 20 minutes they played last night at Wembley. Um, compared to their previous outing. So um, we shall see what happens there. And, and from your point of view, Luke, I, I know you're well connected with European football. I think for a few of us, um, you know, I happily admit, I didn't necessarily know masses about him until I read uh, Adam's initial piece to say that we were being linked uh, at the start of the week. But, you know, your view on his appointment? I'm very happy. I think that this is the first time in two years or so I've been genuinely quite excited about an appointment. I think that you can hear from the way he spoke in today's press conference that he uh, he speaks with a bit more authority mm. than our previous managers. And he, he seems he seems certain that this is not only the right fit for him, but it's the right fit for the club. He seems quite confident in his ability. And I think that not only is he a good tactician, but I think he could be a good man manager. 
I think that perhaps some players need a proverbial kick up the backside yeah. and I think others may need an arm around the shoulder. And I think that at this stage of the season, while confidence is low, it was a managerial change that had to be made and it was one that had to be spot on. And I think that with Hazen Hootel, I don't think there was really a better available manager out there. Mm. So I'm very happy with the appointment. Yeah, I know the board and um, you know Krieger and people like that have taken a lot of stick, and you know we'll certainly hear from sort of um, Archie and Chris on their views about you know how well the club have done to attract someone like him. But as a fan, I mean, I think you know we do give them a lot of criticism. Yes, it's early days; we've not even played a game yet. But I think it does show that they are still trying to be ambitious, Luke, and that that they are trying to sort of move the club forward. Absolutely, I was um, you know, I'm, I'm the first to criticise the board, but you've got to give credit where it's due. I think that this is a really, really strong appointment. It's ambitious and it's a statement of intent. It's it's not the level of appointment that I felt that the club were going to make with little noticeable footballing expertise among them. Mm. It was one I was quite concerned about. I was thinking maybe they play it safe and go with a David Moyes or a Sam Allardyce, but no, you've got to give credit where it's due. Ralph Kruger has, has made a, a very good appointment here and we can't have any qualms about that one. Yeah. Just before we hear from uh, Archie then, Adam, um, I think the general consensus, I was chatting to Joe Prince-Wright earlier on online, and um, you know I know you'd sort of um, put some words out as well. So I think even the immediate buzz just around the, the press room and around the, the training ground seems to be there. And again, I know he's not played a game, but it just sort of seems to have lifted the entire club, that, that appointment that we needed to really get that enthusiasm going again. It definitely feels like that. Um, and I, I mean, I, I must admit, I felt um, I had somewhat mixed emotions uh, p- before the press conference. Um, and I guess that's partly due to the fact that even though I'd liked what I read about him, obviously, that lest we forget that Maurizio Pellegrino came in with a promise of this amazing, you know, high intensity attacking football that mm. obviously we didn't see. So it's hard to believe the hype until you actually sort of meet the person and then later see the football. But then going into that first press conference and, and I mean, I came out, I felt really positive after it. I must admit, um, I've not seen such a authoritative and engaging um, first managerial press conference since Ronald Koeman. Yeah. Um, and let's be honest, this is an appointment in an attempt to throw us back to the Koeman days, basically, uh, Koeman Pochettino uh, type era. And this guy appears to have the character to do it. He appears to have, you know, the experience, albeit not in the Premier League, that suggests he may be able to do it. Of course, the biggest hurdle for him is going to be not his authority, because that sounds, you know, it sounds like he's a good character, not his ability to coach the players necessarily. His biggest hurdle is going to be whether the players are actually able to play this way, because yeah. this is a hard way to play. It's a very intensive way to play. Uh, it requires no little skill. And even he himself said in the press conference, well, a lot of the way I play depends on pace. So I'll have to look and see what kind of speed we've got in the squad. Well, I can tell him not much. <laughs> so um, you're still reliant on the same group of players who have uh, consistently let's be honest mainly failed uh, for a long period of time and who have zero confidence to turn this around and unlike if you appointed him in the summer when he would have a had a chance to whittle out the ones he didn't want um, and b uh, really had a chance to increase the fitness levels and work on the patterns of play that he wants at the moment he's in the middle of a very, very heavy run of fixtures and at a time when Saints are desperately struggling. Um, what I liked particularly, though, is that he didn't seek to use that as any kind of excuse. I, I mean, I even asked him 
in this period that you're in now, can you really expect to be able to implement this kind of style of football? Um, you know, or, or is it a case of it's, this is a long term thing? He's like, no, no, we'll be doing it. Mm. I was like, right, OK. He's like, yeah, well, obviously not for Saturday, yep. but, you know, the next two weeks I've got six training sessions a week planned. So, yeah, we'll, we'll be doing it basically straight away. And I thought, OK, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> I like that I, because my big fear was that he'd come in and, and sort of end up in this situation where he'd feel I can't take too many risks because obviously we're struggling. So what I'll do is I'll have to play it safe and then try and, you know, while we get through this run of games and then try and edge things forward slowly but surely. But the way that Saints are at the moment, if you went through that run of games and tried to play it safe and the results went badly, you you risk all of that potential, you know, positivity completely draining away. Um, and the manager kind of just being on a downward feeling of downward momentum, even if he was really good. Um, you know, but they're almost being unavoidable. So I at least like the fact that they're going to, again, a bit like I said with Ralph Kruger, at least they're going to try and do things on their own terms, mm. even if it doesn't work. Um, and, and I think that that is to be applauded. And, and I, <laughs> there's going to be no mucking around with this guy, I don't think, from the players. I mean, you know, he see a couple of quotes that were in the piece um, in the press conference uh, in the first section. I think he said when talking about January that, um, yeah, there's going to be some players that are going to fall by the wayside because not all of them are going to be able to keep up with this way of playing, and they're they're going to fall away pretty quickly. Yeah, no, made no bones about that. And I asked him in the second section, I said, uh, basically, so you know, is is this going to kind of be a, a slow build up, or are you going to be de- you know very demanding from the players? Can they expect you to be demanding from them from the start? And he just said, yes, they can expect me to be very demanding. And I thought, okay, fine, <laughs> that sounds good to me. Yeah. Well, our first guest this week, given his expert view on uh, Hassan Hutel, is Archie Ryan Tutt of Fox Soccer and The Guardian Weekly. He's met and interviewed the new manager in Germany on several occasions, and here's what he had to say about him. Thanks for joining the pod this week, Archie. You've had the opportunity to, to meet and interview him a, a couple of times, I know. So for those of us that don't really know what he's like as a, a character, maybe a personality, what can you tell us about him? He comes across as somebody who's incredibly friendly, I have to say, in, in, in English. Anyway, I, I think I, I heard a few people in Germany who described him as, as not the most likable character. But I think that actually had something to do with the clubs he was working for, because you've got Leipzig, who are backed by Red Bull, obviously, and Ingolstadt, who are much smaller, backed by Audi, but they're not seen as traditional clubs uh, in Germany. So I think that maybe had something to do with it on the image front. But actually, in, in my personal dealings with him, I've done a couple of sit down interviews with him. After the first one, my dad actually said that he became an Ingolstadt fan, uh, <laughs> such was the way he came across. And I remember I had a Geordie cameraman there as well, big Newcastle fan, who was just buzzing off the interview and saying how much he wanted him to become the manager of, of, of Newcastle. So I'm sure he'll be a bit frustrated that he's gone <laughs> to Saints first, even though they've got Rafa Benitez right now. But I think he's somebody who is down to earth. I remember asking him about what was the thing... Uh, that was kind of key to his philosophy. And the first thing he said above any style of play was just the person and connecting mm. with the person. And I think that that is important. He is, as, as Southampton fans will see on the touchline, a very imposing figure. I don't think he's the sort that you would pick an argument with in the dressing room if it was coming down to something physical. But I, I think that actually as, as a person, he's, he's quite softly spoken, particularly in English. Um, but that said, he can 
get emotional on the touchline let's put it that way <laughs> um, and, and I mean you've alluded to it there to a certain extent I was going to ask about his sort of style of, of management in terms of you know tactics and things like that but but also I guess the player management because there, there's been this sort of I don't know this view around Saints fans with Mark Hughes that it was a bit of a rule by fear nature but I know he, t- he told you before Hassan who t- told you before that he sort of tries to love his players and connect with them and uh, and that sort of thing so are we are you, you know are you thinking that the squad are going to be in for quite a difference of change in attitude here I think so, but it doesn't mean that Hasenhutl will let them off. When it comes to his style of play, he will want 100% sacrifice. And if a player is not pulling his weight for him, then he won't let them off at all. I remember the situation with Emil Forsberg, who came back before the start of the season when Leipzig finished second in the Bundesliga and wasn't 100% fit. And Forsberg just didn't get the game time in those first few games of the season because Hasenhutl didn't think he was fit enough. So if you're not running enough for him, then there will be consequences. But I think that he's he's shown in the past how he's able to kind of use stick and carrot effectively with his players. And he is somebody who has worked with players like Naby Keita and Pascal Gross, mm. uh, I, who I think are the probably the two most important names to Premier League fans anyway. Yeah. Um, but I think, Timo Werner as well is, is one who, who flourished under his, his guidance at Leipzig as well, became a player who is now revered as Germany's top striker as well. So I think there's plenty of positive cases here to, to take a look at and see how actually his, his man management has worked well. Yeah, he's um, taken over Saints in the relegation zone. How much do you think his experience at Ingolstadt, where he obviously picked them up again, bottom of the league in Bundesliga 2, kept them up and then took them up as champions, I'm not saying that we're expecting that Saints will be champions next year, but just in terms of his experience of working with Stat, fighting a relegation battle, how important do you think that's going to be coming into Saints? I think that's probably the most important in, in terms of being relevant to the Saints job that he's taking now because he, he came into a club where things weren't looking great at all and actually, I think, helped help them to restructure things as much as anything and... He did a similar job at Ireland before that in the third division and made them into a, a mid-table second division side as well. So I think it suits him, this kind of job. He's not a, a regulation firefighter, as they would say in Germany. Firefighter is the term that would be used for somebody like Sam Allardyce, who, who comes in and, and just perennially keeps clubs up and does not much more. But I think that Hasenhutl is switched on in, in terms of having his, his philosophy I think it's a little bit more attractive than, yeah. than Sam Allardyce ball, if there's a correct term for it. So, yeah, the restructuring job that he did at, at Ingolstadt, you only have to look at what's happened to Ingolstadt after he left um, to see quite how good a job he did because they have, they're right now dragging along the bottom of the second division yeah. again four years on. So that's something for you there. Yeah. Of course, he left Leipzig in the summer, as, as was well documented. He's obviously been out of the game a, a bit of time. Saints have, have called. You know, I know there was a lot of people mentioning in the last few days that they didn't think he'd be someone that they would be able to get. But why do you think he's decided England's the, the right move for him now then, Archie? What, what's sort of uh, you know, encouraged him to come and work over here, do you think? Well, his name was actually being touted around for the Bayern Munich job at one point last season. I, I don't think that he'd quite done enough. He didn't have enough experience for them, which was... Odd given the fact that they then gave the job to Nico Kovac in the end. Yeah. But I think that 
it's a very mutually beneficial thing right now because Southampton are a club who do have a history of being a, a good stepping stone yep. um, to greatness with Mauricio Pochettino and, and Ronald Koeman. I, I, I guess greatness doesn't quite apply in the same way to Koeman <laughs> um, as, it, as it happened with Everton. But I think that he appreciated the opportunity there, but also to be able to have a fresh start in terms of what was expected of him in, in the Bundesliga. That said, whenever there have been jitters around a manager's job so far this season at, at top clubs, Hasenhutl is the name that you hear mentioned. He is the coach that, that clubs wanted and fans wanted over here. Uh, so, so that he's gone to Southampton when, for my money, in two of the past three seasons in the Bundesliga, he's been in the top three coaches in the, in the division in terms of the job that he's done. I think that it's it's a big coup, yeah. uh, particularly because he, he's somebody whose star is still very much on the rise here. Mm, yeah. You, you mentioned Q there. I mean, that's a great sort of last question. I've seen it mentioned in terms of both parties the last few days as well, Saints and Hasenhutl, that um, it's a coup and a risk. So it's a coup for Saints getting someone like him, but a risk changing manager halfway through the season ahead of a busy Christmas schedule. But likewise for him, you know, it's a coup getting a job in the Premier League, but it's a risk, of course, picking up a team in the relegation zone. But who do you think sort of Archie finally is, is going to come out of the winner in the immediate situation that we find ourselves? I think immediately it's going to be Southampton because I do think that he will keep them up this season. I think as well, just something for the fans to have in terms of a character on, yeah. on the touchline as well, because it's fair to say that whilst Claude Puel did a good job, um, although I know that's debated about yeah, some I think fans, we're realising that now, yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I think you, you look back at Puel, Pellegrino, Hughes, it's been a while since I think Southampton fans will have had a character that they can really connect with on the touchline. Yeah. And I think that that, that is something that Hasenhutl will really embody. You can really see him live every single moment of a game. I mean, there's a few moments that, that stand out in my mind. For example, I remember when Ingolstadt uh, got a 90th minute penalty in their first Bundesliga season uh, away at Werder Bremen and Hasenhutl couldn't watch. He actually went round the back of the bench um, because he was so nervous before the guy did knock it in and uh, he, he could tell by the silence that they'd scored. But yeah, he, he's also, yeah, I, I remember him in that season as well. You would see him at some away games where they just get a valuable point, Cologne or Borussia Mönchengladbach. I remember him jumping onto the pitch, celebrating as if, that they just taken another step towards the title. He will very much, I think, feel every result. And that will sometimes, I think, rub, rub opponents up the wrong way. That there's one, there's one moment that stands out last season when he was away at Augsburg with Leipzig. And I'm just trying to think of what the most diplomatic way of putting this is. The Augsburg captain made a hand shandy signal towards him, shall we say, um, which, which did not go down well at all with Arsenal. <laughs> He was fuming. So once the game starts, he is a very emotional character. And yeah, when when Jurgen Klopp and, and Ralf Hasenhüttl face off against each other, I, I think there's going to be some serious touchline passion there, that's for sure.
for those that don't know matters about Hassan Hutel yet, he played 450 games as a forward, mainly in uh, Austrian and German football, scoring 119 goals. He then became a manager coach in 2007 and worked his way up through Ingolstadt, where they were bottom of Bundesliga 2 when he took over before promotion as champions the following season. Having kept them in the Bundesliga, he then got his chance to manage RB Leipzig in 2016, finishing second in his first season and then sixth with them before leaving earlier this year. Um, there's that sort of fine line, Steve, that we've been talking about, whether we should be as fans sort of excited and maybe get carried away a little bit because it's been sort of pretty tough work for Saints fans the last few few months or whether there does need to be that air of calm and we need to give him a few games, bearing in mind the sort of hectic schedule that we're going to have now. Yeah, I mean, I think ultimately, as long as it's not dreadful, then I think people will give him a fair bit of leeway. I think while football fans in general do get a, a fairly rotten press in terms of maybe their understanding of the workings of, of the game and and even just their sort of understanding that players are employees just just as you and you and I are and, mm. and occasionally you go into work and you have a crap day. Yeah. And I think as long as as long as there's a relatively sort of level headed approach to things, I think I mean some people are gonna get excited, some people are gonna be um sort of frothing at the mouth if we're um if we don't I mean, if we don't win on Saturday at Cardiff, for example, yeah, um, and you're, you're never going to be able to take take that away from those people. They will they will do that regardless. But I think realistically, the majority of the of the fan base will see this as a return to kind of the good old days, if you like, of yeah. when um, when the only thing we had to moan about was that all of the top clubs wanted all of our staff. Mm. And I think ultimately, looking looking back at that, and given where we are now. I think realistically, if bigger clubs with bigger resources are um, interested in taking your um, your staff, whether it's playing or management, then I think you're doing something right. Yeah. And the fact that barely any of our players have been linked with big moves in the last two years um, probably says more than um, more than anything, really. Yeah, and and you know it's it's clear from the press conference as well, Steve, that he's going to use Saints as a stepping stone. I think we need to realise, probably as fans, that the last two or three managers we've had weren't necessarily keen to do that. Therefore, maybe the club didn't benefit from that. So I think again, it's like some of the players we've had. You think of the Sadio Mane's and people like that. Ultimately, these players want to come in. The likes of uh, the manager want to come in, prove themselves, you know, get a name for themselves, and hopefully that will will mean that the club benefit from that, even if it's in a short term, two three year period. Oh, definitely. I mean, at the end of the day, if um, Hasenhut was not going to get a job at a, a massive club if he fails with us, mm. um, that's just a fact. And so, from a from a career ambition perspective, sure, he wants he wants to manage in the Champions League again. He wants to man and he wants to do it with a with a club that's got the resources to possibly challenge and get to later stages of it. Mm. I mean, if he does well with us, I'd be absolutely amazed if he didn't end up with the um, either the Bayern Munich or Borussia Dortmund job at some point in the next five or six years, I guess. Mm. But ultimately, yeah, I mean, he he can he can only succeed if we succeed. Yep. It's a joint venture, and if he fails, we fail, and no and nobody's happy with happy with that. And that's that was as, as you say, that was kind of the the process you you almost felt with Hughes was that it was a just doing the bare minimum mm. um, situation whereby Hughes was happy enough to kind of just go through the motions and, and see us into 17th place because he knew that that was enough to keep him in a job, obviously back end of last season with a million pound bonus. Mm. 
and there was no no incentive for him to actually improve and look like he was actually going to sort of contribute anything long term. There was no future proofing going on there at all. Yeah. Um, whereas this this appointment does feel very much like a, a sort of right. Okay, let's let's backpedal. Let's let's re- revisit what we what we were doing well three or four years ago. And let's kind of, I mean, we're not going to be able to do exactly the same because the game's, the game's moved on in that, in that period. But we can kind of take the good things from that and look at what other clubs are doing and then possibly, um, yeah, find, find our own solution that's, that's going to work for us. And yeah, I mean, I think at this stage, so far, so good. I think I read the uh, last couple of days that Mark Hughes had made about 18 million from getting sacked by City, Stoke, QPR, and Saints. So it's not bad for being shite at your job, really, is it? But uh, no, it's interesting you said there about um, you know Bayern Munich because I know he was obviously linked with Bayern Munich before. And as Archie was just saying in his piece there, you know, pretty much every time uh, a manager's been under pressure in the Bundesliga this season, it's uh, it's been uh, um, you know Ralph that's been uh, linked with the, the the job or that the fans have wanted. But Luke, as I mentioned um, sort of earlier on, you you wrote a great piece about him for. Uh, read Southampton earlier this week which uh, you can find on our Twitter feed I retweeted it from a, a sort of coach point of view what are you most looking forward to, to him hopefully bringing in and seeing in the, the Saints team of the sort of coming months and years I'm really excited to see us return to that high pressing high intensity style of football I think that although it's easy on the eye I think that with this group of players now it's necessary because mm. I think that for two to three seasons now we've just kind of plodded along through games and Ultimately, it's cost us. I think that we're not going after games enough. We're not trying to kill them off enough. And I think that under Hazen Hootsal, there will be a real, a real essence of urgency and ruthlessness now in the final third. Obviously, he needs the players to do that and he needs the attacking players to step up. But I think that now we can play that kind of attractive brand of football and we can play with a bit of urgency. And that's what might just set us aside from the stereotypical uh, lower to mid-table Premier League club I think that we'll play with a lot more energy we'll play on the front foot a bit more and I think that we'll attack and defend as a unit I think there was a section from the Manchester City game uh, it was analysed on match of the day uh, yeah. where our midfield and attack were pressing but our defence was so far back yeah. and I think that under Hazard Hussle this will be good because the whole team attacks and defends as a unit and there's there's pressing from every single player and this is this is good it's going to be nice to have that togetherness on and off the pitch again under a good man manager and someone who demands only the very best from his players and this is what we need we need we need someone to really assert their authority stamp their mark on the club in a positive way I think that's a really good point and Adam just finally before we go on to, to hear from James um, I, I guess that's been the frustration for us we've spoken about it in many podcasts this season that sort of almost lack of organisation that lack of strategy trial and error that we've spoken about and uh, it does feel and again he's not had one game yet so we appreciate that but it does feel like this is a guy that's coming in with a, a clear game plan and what he's going to do is now about finding the players to do that for him it, it certainly is and I like um, the fact as well that the confidence that he kind of gave out even at the first press conference of go, of, of saying um, yeah okay this is the way my team are going to play he described it in some detail of um, the tactics they were going to use um, the formations he's like well I play 4-2-2-2 I play 4-3-3 or 3-4-3 and then this is how we use those systems and he went into this in the embargo section I think a bit more detail about how they're going to play no secrets there mm. he's just coming out and saying and I, I like that I love that kind of you know what this is what we're going to do we're going to go out and we're going to impose ourselves and we're going to give it a good go and some weeks yeah we'll get beat 
And that's we just have to accept that because we're going to be come up against teams that are better than us, or we're just going to have a bad day, whatever. But at least we're gonna we're gonna give it a go, and we're gonna do things a bit more on our own terms, which is what I think this whole appointment, as I said, is about doing Saints getting back to trying to do things in their own way on their own terms and kind of getting away from this feeling that we've had and that I've moaned about for two years really <laughs> that that the club has just got completely lost yep. um you know the Southampton way I mean uh I don't want to take Steve's um swearing world away from him but <laughs> you know it to me is always been a load a, of something you know, a, a load of bollocks to be honest <laughs> it's just a load of old guff um it, effectively but even underneath that there is kind of an underlying sort of principle though that you still are feeling about what that really means and a way of doing trying to do things and trying to achieve things in a culture i suppose and this guy just he just reminded me so much of ronald kuman and the first time i sat in that press room with ronald kuman i was just this guy's brilliant i I just Mm. like this guy he's great he's confident he's authoritative um you know he's he's not going to take any nonsense also this guy seemed um uh, you know ronald was a very um you know he was a bit of an ice man type character he's a nice guy and you know we had a few warm conversations with him but not that many he was quite icy most of the time this guy seems like he's got a bit more you know sort of out a bit more outgoing a bit more personality as well so i think i think he's kind of he feels to me like he's got the whole package and i completely agree with what luke said there um i totally concur that they they do need um, some leadership, and given that they seem to have a complete lack of leadership actually out on the field, perhaps perhaps that leadership you know has to there has to be more leadership even than you would normally want from the manager. And um, yeah, to me this this seems like a good appointment. As I've said, a good appointment. Um, the only question is is this the right time for mm. this appointment? Um, because I you know. Yeah, he hasn't played a game, but from if he can live up to anything like what he's saying, it gives me the confidence that this guy is a good long-term appointment. Um, the problem is Saints are in such a jam now that does he get a long-term? Because if things go well, of course he gets a long-term. If things go badly, you know, I, I would say um, personally, if you think this is the guy and this is the way, even if things go completely belly up this season and, you know, it's just... It just turns out that even with all this, it's beyond repair and the worst happens. That's that's you know what? If this is what we think is the best thing and look how positive everybody is now, let's just get behind it. Let's yep. stick with this. Let's give this a go, a proper go, even if they're in the championship next year. Let's give this a go for the long term rather than, you know, more managers coming and going, wasting more money. And I think that that's that's the thing. I just feel like some patience uh is required i know that this guy is already talking as if he doesn't need any patience and that's great but the reality is when he actually gets to know the players that he might decide that he actually does need a bit more time Mm. um given you know the complete you know lack of confidence that they've got so um yeah let's 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 give it a go and let's hope this one works out Now, as I mentioned in the introduction, I spoke to James Parsons, a Saints fan who lives in Leipzig and has worked with both RB and the new manager to get a fan's view of things over there. I caught up with James earlier this week, and here's what he had to say. Hi, James. Thanks for joining Total Saints Podcast. It's uh, lovely to have you on the show. I wondered if you could start by briefly telling us a bit about yourself and how you ended up living in Leipzig. Yeah, well, thanks, Ben. I've uh, been here for, for 21 years. Yeah, I left Southampton to go to study in York, and then from York came directly to Leipzig, I think, 1996, and then started my own business. Yeah. And, yeah, I've never really wanted to leave. 
it's just been so much fun living here, working here, meeting the people. And um, yeah, at the last few years, it's been an honor and a pleasure to be working with RB Leipzig. Hmm. And that's where I met your man, Ralph <laughs> Hausenhuttl. Yeah. So people that are listening, then, uh, James, tell us a bit about your business, what it is you do, and then how you've had a relationship with RB Leipzig and sort of indirectly and directly Ralph Hausenhuttl. So the business is called WordCraft, and what we do is language training locally business. We're teaching the Germans how to speak English. We're teaching all the non-Germans how to speak German. Uh, and then we work in translations worldwide. Uh, we also sell software for translation management. Yeah, and we're just a small company working globally. And yeah, and of course, uh, even a football club like RB Leipzig need our help as well. And originally we were asked to teach a few of the first team players German who'd uh, just joined the team. So Yusuf Paulsen, maybe uh, people would know him from the World Cup. He scored a goal for Denmark. And then when uh, RB Leipzig qualified for the Europa Cup, all of their staff needed to learn English as well. So all the security, ticketing people, the back office, the physiotherapists, all the backroom staff all needed to learn English. So that was uh, a fun to teach them as well. And of course, they needed translations as well. So some of the players bought houses and flats here. So we translated some of their contract into English or French, even Spanish, and uh, even driving licenses we've done as well. So, yeah, it's just been a pleasure working with these people. Of course, we get an insight into the club, the philosophy of the club. And, yeah, we get to meet some important people like Ralph Hasenhuttle on the way. And he was really um, so very concerned about the well-being of the, the foreign players that have come to Leipzig. So he organized German lessons with us. So we have to give them weekly reports on how they were doing in their class, whether they were doing the homework, whether they were learning yep. or not. And he would tell us what he needed. And then we would try our best uh, to teach uh, the boys how to communicate. If you don't understand the coach, then... Uh, he can't make himself understood then you've got a problem and I think that's an issue that many many clubs face and you were saying I mean just before we come on to talk football and Saints um, obviously you are a Saints fan as you mentioned James but uh, in terms of Mr Hassan Hutal you know really nice personality and someone that was a pleasure to deal with you were saying he's a gentleman he doesn't have a bad word for anybody he's uh, very passionate about football he's a very cultured uh, guy you can talk to him about 101 different things so he's not just a football guy He's the sort of guy you want to have a drink with down the pub. Yeah, he's just all-round nice guy and uh, pleasure to work with. Good. And, and you were saying also that uh, because of his reputation in Leipzig that uh, there's a few friends of yours that maybe were not following English team that are now planning to follow Saints simply because he's moved there. So he was at the club for, for two years. He had such an impact on the club. Everybody was very sad when he left and the reasons why he left, he just he couldn't agree on, on a two-year deal. He was only offered a one-year deal. So I think it was a bit of a a lose-lose situation for Leipzig yeah. when he did actually go. But he left really at the top, didn't damage his career in any any sort of way, actually boosted his career. And he's a very sought-after manager. And he's been linked with Bayern Munich, he's been linked with Arsenal, uh, and now we've got him. And that's, <laughs> that's absolutely fantastic. So if you look at the way in which he plays the style of uh, football, I think he embodies the, the Southampton way. So he brings in youngsters from under-19s. He has no problem in doing that. He looks after the younger sort of first team players and nurtures them, and he brings in experience as well. And he's brought in players for five or, or seven million. He's turned them into twenty, thirty million euro players, and that's the Southampton way as well. Does seem to tick a lot of the boxes, doesn't he? Yeah. And, and you, you mentioned that you've been to watch Leipzig quite a, a lot as well. So, quite an enjoyable style of football that he had them playing on the pitch. Absolutely, and, and they're, they're known for getting early goals. 
So they, they, they start... That makes a change. Make a change for us. <laughs> I know, but uh, not in first gear and not in third gear. Very high pressing. It's a very attractive play. And um, yeah, and they do tire the, the opposition out, make them run for the ball. And uh, they've got good staying power as well. So they mm. rarely concede in the last five minutes, unlike Southampton, <laughs> who have lost more points than anybody else from winning positions this season so far. They have indeed, yeah. Sadly, we can't get those stats out of our mind, can we? But uh, I, I think it's an interesting point you said there, because, uh, you know, I think one of the things for, for me and many Saints fans has been the fitness of the squad under Mark Hughes. So um, I'm not saying mm. he's solely to blame for that, but the likes of some of the players like Charlie Austin, I imagine they're going to be in for a bit of a shock when Mr. Hassan Hutal rocks up. <laughs> Could well be. Yeah. <laughs> Could well be. Yeah, I think you'll definitely look at the, the younger fitter once. I think a few of the older players will have a tough time mm. keeping up with him. Yeah, from the players, he doesn't accept any chat back or anything like that. He'll just tell them, you're soft, you're benched, whatever. Yeah? Yeah. Because he'll have a, a big enough squad. And I think he's going to look to the youth and bring them in. So I'm very happy for Opa Fami that he'll get a run one interesting point is that Paul Mitchell was trying to take away James Will Prowse mm. and uh, bring him to Leipzig. And um, and I don't think that's going to happen now. I think if James Will Prowse knows that Hasenhutl is on his way, then I think he's definitely going to stay and fight for a place and hopefully get back into the first team. And it's interesting you mentioned just before the final question, it's interesting you mentioned Paul Mitchell there, obviously um, involved at Leipzig now and ex-recruitment uh, at Saints because... The Les Reed vacancy is still there, James. I, I think uh, Adam Leach on the pod, Adam, was uh, reporting in the Daily Echo today that at the moment he doesn't think Saints are looking at Mitchell to replace Les Reed. But I know there's been a, an easy connection to make, but time will tell. But could, could you foresee Paul Mitchell potentially making the move back to Saints to support Hassan Hutu, or do you think that they've kind of not necessarily worked that well together? I think they, they could work well together. I'm not sure if it's going to happen in, in the same week or in the same month or even the same season. Mm-hmm. But Paul Mitchell is under pressure to bring in quality players. He didn't bring anybody in in the summer. Mm. There was very little business being done there. If you remember, RB Leipzig tried to get Adamola Luxman they from did. Everton yeah. Yeah. and um, played the last seven, eight games of the season and did very, very well. And then it came down to money 22 or 28 million and at the end I think they just said he's just a bit too expensive mm. what I've heard is they've got three players definitely signed up for, for January so I think Paul Mitchell hopefully has um, done his job and got those players in but hopefully it's not uh, James Ward because <laughs> I, I like the guy very much and I hope he stays yeah final question then James absolutely putting you on the spot because that's why we've got you on so look, looking into your crystal ball then you predict a, a bright future over the next two three years with uh, Saints and Ralph uh, Hassan Hutal yes absolutely I think we'll end up 12th this season and then the only way is up after that brilliant alright and and just to confirm then James so your your company is wordcraft.international is that correct if people wanted to wordcraft.international yeah yep. And yet, the crazy thing is you can find us all over the world. Exactly. So if anyone needs any global support with translation or anything like that, and particularly if you follow Saints, then James is the man to uh, to go and look into. So Warcraft uh, International. Great to hear from James there. Um, he also wanted me to mention, Adam, that apparently Ralph's uh, line before every game is that uh, either we win or we learn. Um, I love that, and I know you will too. Hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah, I love I love those little motivational quotes. You know, yeah. I mean, actually, I do like quite quite like some of them. I've got one actually that I um that uh, I use all the time, and I've actually made it. I actually did. I'm terrible at all artwork. All yeah. artwork is not me. I'm awful. Right. But I actually made a little sign, and I've got it. I put it by uh, by the front door in my house, and it says, "If not now, then when." 
Oh, nice. And uh, nice. yeah, beat how about that? Beat. He perhaps he should use that one. That's better, I think. Is that is that like is that like the ones that all the pissed up idiots uh, write on at the darts? <laughs> <laughs> Probably. I, I remember going to the darts once, and uh, actually Ronald Koeman was in charge, and I wrote on my uh, board Ronald Koeman's Red and White Army, and some bloke ripped it up and took it off me because apparently you're not supposed to write football chants on there or anything like that. No, so, uh, yeah, they um yeah a few years ago it started kicking off with uh, with all that sort of stuff. It's just a load of idiots going now. That was a lesson. Um, it, it is a load yeah. of idiots. I mean, I I absolutely love the darts. I've always loved the darts, and uh, yeah, I mean, it, don't get me wrong, it was pretty bad when it was in Perfley, but the, that little venue, um, and going to the BDO as well, many years, which is more like a country fate, and now it's, <laughs> it is just full of boozed up idiots. It is yeah. a bit of a shame. It's better to watch actually the darts is better to watch on TV now than it is to go to. No, true. If you want to do Total Dars podcast, I mean, I think we're, in, well, we're we, starting this now, aren't we? Well, we should do, but then we never really followed up on Total Knitting podcast from last year, did we? So uh, <laughs> there's, a, there's a whole there's a whole list of podcasts that we need to come up with. But uh, I, I got to say, Luke, I did enjoy his quote today when he was asked about guarantees in football, and he said, "There's no guarantees in football. If you want a guarantee, buy a washing machine." <laughs> yeah, exactly. Took him took him one press conference to come out with a one liner, yeah. and I think that. With things like that, I think managers can just endear themselves to the fan bases almost instantly. And and it, it kind of ties back to the, those Cumin days when he'd come out with, you know, like the chips is not chips without mayonnaise and all that stuff. So yeah. it's like, it kind, of, it kind of brought that back because I feel like the last three managers we've had haven't really had a personality, to yeah. be perfectly honest. And, it, you know. Right. Like I say, it reminded me, um, the, the best quote I think I ever heard from a Saints manager, it's still my favourite, is Jan Portfleet. And uh, he said to me once in an interview he said you can't play football with two fingers stuck up your nose <laughs> and I was like and you know you're like, I've obviously just completely heard this and I said so- sorry did you just say you can't play football with two fingers stuck up your nose and he just went yes yes you can't play football with two fingers stuck up your nose well he's right and stuck two fingers up his nose yeah um, and I think it's taken me about five years it took me about five years of thinking about it to work out what he meant because it didn't mean anything in the context of the conversation we were having. Yeah. But I think it was trying to say that you have to work hard. <laughs> mm. <laughs> oh, yeah, it does sound it's like that. Yeah. I, I, was, I was hoping you were going to bring up the Gordon Strachan and yogurt one with uh, Agustin Delgado. Yeah, I remember that day well. I mean, I could, I, God, I could we do a whole podcast on the Gordon Strachan stories. Yeah. But yeah, that was the day I got called into his office. I got a phone call. And normally under Gordon, what if, if you got a phone call saying the manager wants to see you in his office, you traipse down to Staplewood to sit down and basically be showered at for about half an hour. And then you left and went back again. And so I troops down there uh, expecting fully to be shouted at, sat down. Um, Graham Hiley, former colleague, but who was working mm-hmm. for the club at that time, was there. Jeremy Wilson was uh, working with me and he was there as well. Three of us sat down and then uh, Strachan sits, just the three of us in his office, this tiny little office as it used to be at Staplewood before the development, and said, uh, I've got something I need to say to you all. And I think we were all looking at each other, right, which one of us is for the, <laughs> for the high <laughs> jump first? And he said... Oh, hang on a minute. And he just went to the fridge in the corner, got out this yogurt and just put it on the table. So do you see this yogurt? And we all looked at each other. What is going on? Uh, yeah, we. Yeah. It's like this yogurt is more important to me than Agustin Delgado. <laughs> so, um, OK, so do you want to know why this yogurt is more important to me than Agustin Delgado? And we said, uh, yeah, I suppose so. And he said, the use-by date is tomorrow. So I've got to eat this yoghurt by tomorrow. So that is more important in my life than worrying about Agustin Delgado. And then 
we were in there for about an hour while we had this huge uh, discussion about the rise and wrongs of Agustin Delgado. So it was a, a memorable day, that one. There you go. I bet Jan Portvillet would say that you couldn't eat a yogurt that was uh, going out of date with two fingers up your nose. I, actually, you, you, could give it, you could give could. it a go. Yeah, you probably could do it. You'd have to probably take it like a drink, but it's possible. <laughs> I, I, right, I want you to do that, Adam, and then video yourself doing it, and then we'll upload it onto the uh, Total Saints Pod Twitter feed. So Maybe right. that'll be one for the patrons only on Patreon. <laughs> okay. okay, right, let's get back to it, the important stuff. Um, Steve, when Hasenhutl took over at Englishstadt, they were in the relegation zone, bottom, in fact, of Bundesliga 2. He kept them up. How important do you think that experience is in uh, you know, the, the role he's going to find coming into Saints here? Your experiences are always going to shape... Um, the way you uh, the way you sort of conduct yourself later in life and and yeah I mean that'll be no different I mean I think from from what I saw I think they were they were very low scoring um, I think they scored less than a goal a game so we'll fit right in here if, if that's um, <laughs> if that's the case but um, I think that I think the key by the sound of it the key in in that situation was just stopping conceding stupid goals which again absolutely perfect mm. um, I mean even just taking last night. We actually played quite well, I thought, against Spurs for the most part. But you're never going to win a game if you need to score four goals away from home to win, mm. because because you can't just keep switched on at the back. And I think that's that's where that's where his sort of biggest um, task initially comes from in terms of tightening up tightening up defensively and just making sure that everybody's actually doing their jobs and keeping focused. Because um, I mean, in terms of like our attack, the last the last three or four games, we've actually been we've actually been a lot better. Mm. It's just we've kind of improved improved at one end, and the but the other end has impressively managed to get worse, yep. um, which which has been some achievement. So that's and that that may just be a personnel thing. It may it may well be that Hassan Hurtle goes in. I mean, obviously he had he had one training session um, sort of late this afternoon. And obviously he's going to see them at close quarters on Saturday, and it may well be that he he decides that certain players aren't for him, um, certain players who are still making the same mistakes, even when theoretically they're more focused because there's a new man in charge and they're eager to impress. Yep. And if they still can't step up to the plate, then well maybe they they should be they should be moved on if possible. Mm. Um, but I think yeah I think his his sort of grounding in in that environment I think um, bodes well initially. And then obviously you look at you look at where else he's been and, and the work he's the work he's done, particularly at Leipzig, where I mean yeah he had he had a fair amount of backing, particularly uh, particularly in the first season when they um, when they finished second, they played great attacking football. Um, I mean they're they're not a popular club for mm. for sort of kind of political reasons more than anything, but in terms of neutrals going to watch them, I don't I don't think anybody would have had any any complaints going to watch any of their games um, in the two years that that he was he was in the hot seat so if we can get ourselves into that sort of situation i mean i don't think we're going to be challenging um challenging man city for the title any any time in our lifetimes but um no I mean, as, as long as ultimately as long as people have got a reason to go to games again because i think a lot of people are just kind of going through the motions because they kind of feel a duty to yeah rather than because they want to and if he can kind of get back to that situation three years ago where you go to a home game and you think, oh great, we're gonna. I mean, even if we win, we're gonna win three two. Fine, I've got no got no problem with that. Because mm-hmm. um, you, you you get the you get the double double edged sword um, of winning and being entertained at the same time. And at the end of the day, no one's gonna turn your nose up if you're winning one nil every week. But 
if you um if you've seen seen a bit of entertainment then it gives you gives you added added reason to go and as uh, Steve mentioned there, Luke, I, I think, you know, we know Ralph loves, uh, Ralph Kruger, this is Ralph 1.0, not Ralph 2.0, likes talking about um, percentage points. And I think Saints have shown in glimpses this season that, you know, we know they can create chances. They're right at the, the top end of that, that table. But defensively, there's obviously a lot of work that needs to be done. But, you know, there could potentially be enough in this squad, even without massive overhaul in January, to, to sort of help him comfortably get up to sort of, the mid part of the lower half of the table or something like that, you know, 12th to 14th and a, a comfortable end to the season. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. I think that under Hughes, and this has been, this has been typical of him as a manager and his reign during his time as, you know, in the Premier League, it's that his teams are genuinely capable of playing good football, but when they're out of possession, they are among, if not the worst teams in the Premier League. Yeah. They, you know, there's, there's no organisation. They can't defend. And there's a massive disconnect. Hazen Hootel is going to have to come in and first and foremost, that's what he's going to have to sort out. Everyone wants to see energetic pressing. I'm absolutely no different, but we need to organise our back four first. And mm. we, we have to do this. But it comes down to the kind of, and I think I saw Adam Blackmore tweet it out, no matter which centre-back Hughes picked, one of them would make a mistake. Yep. So it, it, there's going to have to be a balance. There's going to have to be playing to our strengths, but also acknowledging our weaknesses as well. And Hasn't Hoosel's going to have to construct a system that can represent that and that can deal with that as best as it can. But I don't think that the quality of our squad reflects where we are in the league. I think that we have some really good players here mm. who are maybe lacking consistency, maybe lacking in confidence. But we should be looking at the mid-table spots at the moment. As you said, about 12. That sounds about right to me. Um, and it will take time, but it's all about extracting the most from the personnel that Hasn't Hoosel's got at his disposal and everywhere he's been he's done that before we finish up on your questions then I caught up with Chris Williams who as I mentioned earlier is uh, also a Bundesliga watching journalist we discussed in further detail the Austrians arrival in English football Chris thanks for joining TSP I wondered if you could tell us a little bit about what you think Ralph Hasenhutl uh, will bring to English football he's a very pragmatic manager um, and he's a manager now in Germany obviously they're head coaches but he'll have a different role in England um, with Southampton and he should bring a very exciting brand of football it'll be based on an old 4-4-2 with a double six I was in a double pivot but he likes to for the team to be very fluid so they almost end up in a 4-2-2-2 yep. so it'll require your players to maybe pay a little bit more attention in training than they may have previously done. But um, if he can get his philosophy down that he's shown, not just at um, Leipzig, but also at Ingolstadt and, and the clubs before that, I think Southampton fans are in for a big treat. There's been a lot of talk about the English staff situation. He came in, um, they were bottom of the league, he obviously um, kept them up, he then uh, took them up as champions. Um, looking at the Saints situation then, Chris, he's coming in, they're in the relegation zone. It's it's a good stepping stone for him. I think we're all aware that that's probably what he's going to try and do, build a reputation for himself and then you know see what opportunities come up in two, three years. But in terms of the specific situation, do you feel it's maybe almost win-win for him here? Yeah, I think it is. And I'm actually really surprised um, that he's come back into management or to coaching. Um, he was due to take a full sabbatical. So I think Southampton fans can be really pleased that whatever the club have offered him and shown him, he's definitely bought into that and come back you know, six to seven months earlier. Um, there was a plan for him to come back to management after a year off. Um, and there was all sorts of teams linked with him by Leverkusen, for instance. But Southampton have got in there and snapped him right up. So um, whatever your club has told him, he's definitely bought into. And I think the English stat 
um, situation rings a little true, although they were bottom of the um, second tier, so the mm. equivalent to the championships. Obviously, Premier League's a lot different. Yeah. If he gets the time, I'm sure he'll be able to impose his playing philosophy. But that's one thing you don't get in the Premier League. But I hope he does because he is an exceptional coach. And I think we'll see that he's got two really hard first games, Cardiff and Arsenal. I don't think you could get any different styles of play um, for the two sides. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. But I think Cardiff game will be very big. Um, I wouldn't expect a massive change overnight because I think it would be far too much for, for him to get his whole philosophy down in four days. Mm. Um, so he may just try and see what he can do with the club for the moment, as in the, the starting eleven, and then work on it within the next two to three weeks. Yeah. His two predecessors, Maurizio Pellegrino, Mark Hughes, both failed to really get much quality and consistency out of this squad there, Chris. So, you know, I think we all feel, particularly since Van Dijk um, joined Liverpool, that there's no real leaders left in the squad now. There's there's no real sort of superstars. So how do you think um, Hassan Hutel likely to, to sort of try and buck the trend of his two managers before him well he is a very good man manager as in he gets to form relationships with the players very well he had an exceptional relationship with Emil Forsberg um, Naby Keita Timo Werner and he got the best out of them from that so whether he can buy into the players you know human side a little bit more I mean you do have some really good players mm. there you get James Moore Prowse who I think is an excellent player who hasn't featured that much of late but he will certainly be someone that will um be able to thrive I would say under Hassan Hull's um, style and then obviously you've got you have got speedy wingers Nathan Redmond you know he's a good player 24 year old um, and also up front you've got the likes of uh, Gabardini and even Danny Ings that I do worry a little for Ings though because of his um, injury history whether he'll be able to cope with the the high pace of training that um, Hassan mm. Hull will bring in yeah, um, you mentioned sort of young players there. Um, I know when he was in Leipzig, he had the likes of sort of Oli Burke and last season Adam Oller, Luckman, people like that. There's been a real sort of stagnation in the Saints Academy the last two, three years, and I think that's probably part of the reason for Les Reed and the football operations department undergoing sort of a complete overhaul. So, how how does he sort of you know try and incorporate young players into to his squad? You know, should they sort of feel enthused that there will be a chance there for them? Oh yeah, most definitely. Um, that's one thing that um, he certainly did around Ingolstadt, for instance. And, and when he came into Leipzig, was bringing younger players through. Um, he's been at clubs that didn't have that much to spend. Although Leipzig are backed by Red Bull, uh, they didn't throw their money around because they were very um, conscious of getting into Europe at some point and falling foul of um, the financial fair mm. play. So he has worked within a constricted budget and he has got the best out of his side. So if I was a Southampton Academy youth player I, and knocking around about 17 to 18 I'd be exceptionally excited and I'm pretty sure that your academy setup has had a big influence on him because I mean we all know the players that the Southampton Academy's pushed out in the past you know the likes of Gareth Bale for instance Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain so yep. um, I think he's probably seen that and, and seen something that he can buy into and work with just thinking about maybe the the Les Reed situation um, there is a current vacancy or vacancies at that football hierarchy level for, for the moment there's no real um, stopgap between the manager and the chairman Ralph Kruger do you think that sort of uncertainty whilst they're trying to work out who and where they want to bring people in will impact Hassan Hutel particularly with a transfer window just around the corner or do you think he's the sort of guy that will come in and not worry too much about that he'll just be focused on the training ground and trying to get results 
I genuinely think he'll be um, concerned about the latter there that you mentioned, just training. So in Germany, the the situation with um, football managers, in inverted commas, is completely different. So um, the head coaches and all they do is coach. Yep. Um, sporting directors and the chairman look after all the transfers. So, for instance, when he was at Leipzig, it was um, Ralph Ragnick who looked after the transfers. And it was Oliver Minzlaff who looked after the off-pitch directions of the club and Ralph Hasenhuttle's job was to coach the players and get the results so I'm pretty sure he'll come into England with um, with that same um, mindset especially if there isn't anybody immediately above him I don't think he's going to come in and start trying to get his tentacles higher up into the um, Southampton boardroom I think he'd be pretty happy that he can just get on and coach Previously, um, during the summer, he was linked with the likes of Bayern Munich. I think there was some talk about the Arsenal job as well. So I think as Saints fans, we are starting to appreciate maybe the calibre of person we've got here. There, there is a real you know, tough situation that Saints are in at the moment, Chris. But just finally, long term, if we can get through this season, stay up, maybe have a bit of an overhaul of the squad in the summer and, and let him get in some of his players. You know, It seems an obvious question, but should we expect a, a bright future if we can keep him at the club for two, three years? Yeah, most definitely. I think you will see um, a bright future. If we go back to the Ingolstadt situation, not only did he get them, take them from the bottom of the second Bundesliga and then promote them, he then kept them up um, mid-table, which they're a very, very small um, town side in Germany, predominantly backed by Audi. Um, What may be worth noting is when he left to go to um, Leipzig, Ingolstadt were relegated the season after. So um, it will bring a very exciting brand of football to yep. um to Southampton probably not the same as Liverpool but very much of a high press so the comparisons to to Klopp are, are maybe um slight over exaggeration on times by certain parts of the media but he will definitely bring an exciting attacking quick transition style of play to Southampton I think I mean, not only the guys at Southampton and St. Mary's will be happy with it I think the watching public of the Premier League will be excited to see a, a fast attacking team again So we had uh, a few questions through on uh, Twitter. We'd asked for your comments and thoughts around the appointment. So thanks to everyone that sent them through. I've uh, apportioned them up so that Adam, Luke and Steve can answer uh, a few questions each. So the first one's from Matt uh, at Up The Saints. He said that he's hoping that uh, Hasenhutl can get his own staff in in time. He doesn't necessarily want to see the failed staff on the bench from recent seasons. Um, Adam, I know we probably short answer here, but I think he's looking to bring in one member of his own coaching staff. I think Danny Rowell is the name or Roll is the name that I've seen around. So I think we're assuming that that's going to be sorted out fairly swiftly. Is that right? Yeah, I, th- I think it was just a case of they obviously made the decision to get him in. They wanted to do it quickly and uh, there was a slight uh, contractual complication with uh, with this guy with um, with regards to his contract with the previous club that being finalised or finished or right. whatever it was. So they couldn't quite do it in time for Cardiff, but they still wanted to get Ralph in and get it going. So fully expect him to come in and then he'll continue to work with Kelvin Davis um, Dave Watson and Alex Gross, who's the sports science guy, and and obviously his new assistant, and that'll be the effectively the team. 
Good stuff. Okay. Right. A couple of questions that I've uh, combined here. So um, the first one's from Russell at RustyRL. He says, obvious one for me is what does this mean for the backroom staff, both in terms of Calv, DW, and more widely, Wilson et al. Um, I think Adam's just answered that part, but he does say, is Mitchell coming back? He also says, could I ask Adam if Ralph was a Wilson appointment or Ralph Kruger's? Um, the second question, Adam, comes from St. Kevin at Moscow Mush. He said, does this open the door for Paul Mitchell to come in to replace Les Reed? So the two questions there Adam really are who was the sort of chief negotiator in bringing um, Haas and Hootel in and do we expect Paul Mitchell to come back okay so first of all I think it was Ralph Kruger who was the main one in terms of identifying him I think Ross Wilson then played a big role um, I'm sure he had some input as well but uh, I think then played a big role in kind of being the person who was able to kind of conduct the negotiations and and the contracts and things like that so um and obviously, that's one of the reasons Ross has remained um, post Les because they need somebody who can kind of fill that kind of role in the interim until they till they appoint a new director of football or whatever it is. Um, with regards to Paul Mitchell, note my understanding is that he is not somebody that they're looking at at the moment. Um, not to say that, that can never happen in the future, but certainly I know there's been some talk and some speculation that he's. Uh, returning any day now basically and then this was all you know a conspiracy in a way of like you you get the pair out of Leipzig as it were um, but but no my understanding is that that's not the case good stuff Steve a question for you then so this one's come from Charlie at C Messenger 87 he said what do you feel Hassan Hootel's three key priorities will be over the first few weeks in charge and he's got a second part of the question Steve which is for a club that looks like it's crumbling from the outside what do you think uh, an in-demand manager has been told in terms of enticing him to the club well in terms of three things in his immediate future I think they are um, three points on Saturday um at the end of the day, there, there would be nothing more sort of momentum building than winning his first game against a team um, directly around us at the moment. Um, I mean, sort of longer term, clearly defence is a is a big problem. I actually think, as I said um, just now, I don't think the don't think the attacks in too bad a shape immediately. I think I think as long as we can as long as we get the defence sorted and not. Um, gifting the opposition two or three goals a game, then I think there's something to work with with our attack. But defensively is, I mean, that's that's the key. And I think the way that he wants um, his teams to play, I think that also means that the fitness will be mm. um, will be the third thing that he will look at. Because, I mean, you, you only have to look at the statistics, the number of goals we can see late in games... Um, number of points dropped from winning positions, all of these point to a lack of stamina, um, a lack of heart, a lack of fitness, a lack of leadership. Yep. Um, and I think he will want to address all of those issues. So, yeah, those those would be my three points. Um, and in terms of what he's been what he's been promised, <laughs> don't know, really. Um, at the end of the day, he'll, he'll have been given a significant wage rise on what he was on at Leipzig. So mm. I'm, I'm sure he's... Um, He's quite happy with his um, with his financial package, as I mentioned earlier. That the whole sort of careerism thing, absolutely fine. It's a it's a shot window for him for um, for a potentially bigger um, bigger club if he does well here, but only if he does well here. So that's the that's the carrot and stick approach, and I think those will be the the incentives for him. Um, whether there's money to spend in January, who knows? Um, may well be a case. I mean, by, bearing in mind what he said in um, in his press conference this afternoon, it may well be that players have to leave before 
um, before we can bring anybody in. Mm. Um, I guess that then comes down to whether anybody would actually want any of the players that we want to get rid of. Yeah. Got a great question here, Luke, from uh, Doug McLennan at MacLeTiz. He said, how much time should fans give Halston Hootall to turn things around? Patience doesn't seem to be a virtue for many of our supporters these days, which I probably agree with. Yeah, it's um, it's an interesting one, That I think that although we are in desperate need of a short-term fix, the long-term stability of the club should also be considered. And I think that with Halston Hootall, that can, that can come in tandem with each other. I think we we just need to stick with him. I think that implementing a style a philosophy into a club takes time and with regard to how complex and how different it will be for a lot of our players I think that there's only a handful that were still here under Pochettino in a similar style so I think that there has to be patience with the style we can't expect miracles against Cardiff and Arsenal we can't expect to see this vibrant style come straight away but um yeah it's going to be an interesting one I think we need to give him the rest of the season irrespective of whatever happens but I think that's fairly straightforward and I think that the importance of a pre-season uh, and, you know, that first pre-season for him as a manager, as is the case with any, is crucial. They, mm. You know, they need to put across their ideologies and how they feel about a certain style of play ahead of the season. And if Hazen Hootel can keep us up and stabilise us this season, heading into next, I think we're in for an exciting ride with them. Whilst I totally agree with you, Luke, and everything you just said there, I have no doubts there will be a total meltdown if they lose at Cardiff, like Steve said earlier. But uh, there we go. Um, just a, a couple more questions then. So this is from Robbie and the guys over at Saints World FC. And Steve, I want names here, proper names. Um, James has mentioned uh, JWP earlier, and Chris in his interview with us had mentioned JWP and Redmond. So they've asked, which players currently in the squad do you think will flourish under the new manager's style of play? And alternatively, which players do you think will struggle? There's an obvious one that I can think of when I'm thinking of the struggle. Yeah, I mean, you're thinking a shirt. Yeah, it's yeah. I mean, how is Charlie Austin going to going to be able to last any any sort of period of time on the pitch under um, under that sort of pressing style? I mean, it's you just you just can't see it, can you? No. Um, the only way that works is if everybody else does his work for him. But then he's got to be scoring he's got to be scoring twenty goals a season for for that to be justified. I don't see it. It could happen, but I find that very hard to believe. Um, in terms of players that will that will thrive, I think um, I think Nathan Redmond. Yeah. Um, although I mean Redmond's Redmond's probably been one of our better players this season anyway. Um, I think Hoiberg will will be fine in fine in that system. Lamina also again those two have been pretty good the last last two three weeks really. Mm. I think it might might be an interesting one for uh, for Ryan Bertrand if we get into a situation where the team has more confidence. All of a sudden, players like him have more confidence in their ability to go forward and not constantly be looking over their shoulder, worrying whether there's cover behind. Um, and I think that could that could open open up his game again to get back to the level he was at. at I mean, say two years or so ago, he's, he's still he's still been decent for us by and large, but not quite the same level I, I would say un, under the last what however many three managers we've had in that period yeah and, uh, and Chris and James were both talking about uh, the academy and James mentioned again Josh Sims as well which uh, again there's players like him that are out on loan that we know have got pace that have had a sort of dip their toe in the water in the first team so you could potentially see them getting more of an opportunity under a manager that that seems to really embrace and uh, you know give opportunities to young players yeah quite possibly um i to be honest, I'd be surprised if we saw much of that this season, yep. other than players that are currently around the around the first team squad. I think it's probably almost for everybody's benefit that those players stay in the 
in the environments they're in at the moment where they're getting, by and large, they seem to be getting regular football, um, playing fairly well. And I'm not sure it's necessarily worth anybody's while uprooting them from, from that situation to bring them back into a, into a situation where they're, where they're definitely not going to play. Mm. Um, I think the summer will be when he would look to involve everybody and give everybody a completely clean slate and say, okay, this is, this is your opportunity. What have you got? Sink or swim moment. Can you do it in, in this environment where I've now got full control and we've, we're going to have a full summer to really go at this. Yeah. Um, so I think start next season will be where we, where we possibly start to see which of the, um, the younger players, um, can step up to the plate and which ones are probably not going to make it. Yeah. Penultimate question then from Greg at Gregiola. Adam, this one's for you. So um, he asked, what do you make of the claim in Jeremy Wilson's article two days ago? A priority will also be to rebalance a squad which has a good depth but lacks top-end star quality. So Greg's question really was, does this contradict what Ralph Kruger was saying about us having a quiet January? Or do you think Jeremy Wilson article, which will again will have come from sort of similar contacts to, to what you have, is, is looking maybe at a more long-term view? Yeah, it's looking long term. I think that this is a feeling that, that the club have got um, that maybe they've kind of gone down the wrong path, really. And in that instead of uh, they obviously were so conscious of trying to beef up this squad that they've tried to create quite a equal footing um, in terms of the contracts. And, and, you know, the, they haven't got the kind of they've tried to avoid the star players, as it were. So they've had this this sort of philosophy of kind of getting in people kind of all on the same level contracts and wages being you know, relatively level and stable throughout and building up this this big depth of squad um i think we've all seen that actually there's a lot of players that just aren't playing hmm. that are taking home all this money and i think a lot of us have probably looked at it and said well wouldn't they be better off with with five fewer players but then you know but having maybe getting rid of these five and having two really good players yep. rather than five players that just are basically filling up shirts um, and just turning up for training and not playing. So I think that that is a longer term aim of, of theirs is to actually redress that um, is to try and get in some, some you know, more star talent as it were, and accept that you'll have like most clubs, a discrepancy between some people who, uh, are, are the sort of star players and some who are lower down the pecking order and, and making their way up. I think that is something they want to do and something they want to address, but um, that takes a long time. So that's not something that's going to happen instantly. Uh, and certainly not in January. I, I still don't expect there to be any significant spending in January uh, without players going out first. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, and then the last couple of questions, which again I've grouped together, which kind of link into what you just said there, Adam. The first one is from Jacob Stephen and uh, at 25J Step. And uh, Luke, these are coming to you, these questions. So he asked him, um, who do you think might be a transfer target or two that um, Hassan Hutal will be looking at? And uh, could we see any players come out from the, the lone wilderness? And then the second one, which links into that, is from Matt1885, The Art of. He said, who would you ship out in January and who is uh, realistic in uh, light of the large wages? versus performance making getting them out an issue in itself so I guess in short Luke um, you know you've got a good European knowledge as we know so who would you maybe be trying to get into the club in January depending on what funds there are and uh, which players might you be trying to get out of the club I think that the areas that Saints need to address have been pretty clear since about midway through last season I still feel we're a winger short we need a forward as well who can sort of provide a bit of a mix of what Shane Long can do and what Charlie Austin can do. Mm. Um, that pace and that uh, 
I say ability to finish, but he's only got one goal this season, Charlie Austin. But um, perhaps if we look to Leipzig, whether this be a realistic target or not, I'm not sure. But Yusuf Poulton, the Denmark international, he's a very, very good player. Um, and he formed a really good partnership with Timo Werner up front at Leipzig. And Werner was the one who got all the credit. But Poulsen was a key, key player for having Hüttel. And I think that perhaps a partnership with him and Ings up front could be a bit of a pipe dream, but it's certainly one that we should be looking to explore. And I think that I think that definitely wingers, there are wingers out there who we should be looking at, but then it's difficult because I wonder if Nathan Redden, for example, has enjoyed and played with so much freedom this season because he knows there's no competition and he knows that he can go out there and express himself. Yeah. So there are, there are things we have to sort of be wary of. With regards to players we need to ship out, I think that maybe one striker needs to be cut out and perhaps replaced. And just some of the players we were trying to shift in the summer, I think mm. that the Fraser Forsters, um, I don't want to say it because he's a cult hero and I, I love what he's done for the club, but I'm not sure what Stephen Davis nowadays brings. Yeah, um, perhaps, he'll be, perhaps he'll be good to have, perhaps he'll be good to have around um, in this transitional period with a new manager coming in with a new style. But there are players in this squad who don't really need to be there. And it was, it was tricky to offload them in the summer, but in January, it seems like we're going to need to sell to buy. So in order to refine our squad, we're going to need to trim it first. No, I totally agree. So good stuff. Well, thanks for everyone's questions. And just finally to sort of wrap up then, Adam, for this uh, and Hootel special, um, how important is it that we kind of try and draw a line under everything that's happened the last 12, 18, 24 months and that, you know, the club and fan base can really try and unite now and get behind the new manager, try and sort of push us forward? Because, you know, as we've said many times on this podcast, we're only going to succeed if we're all pulling in the same direction. So it's really important, I think, now that it's something we, we really sort of implement. I completely agree. Um, you can't let it pass when you if you ask me a question like that without me saying, I still think that ultimately... The direction from the very top from the owner um, has to be set so mm-hmm. you can kind of get behind it. And whilst we continue to have total radio silence on on that, then um, then I think it's going to be hard. Um, results obviously paper over a lot of those cracks. So if we can you know, start seeing some positive results on the pitch, maybe the focus on that becomes less for the time being. But I think until there is a, a more clear a strategy from the very top and a more clear long-term plan, then we will end up continually just coming back to this topic again and again and again, every time, you know, things get a little bit worse. But in the short term, let's be honest, what what do we all like football for? We all, you know, supporters want to see their team win and that's very important. But they also, you know, for goodness sake, at Saints, after the last couple of years, you want to go and you want to be entertained. People want to go and enjoy the football again. The number of people who say to me, I think Steve made the point earlier, they're kind of just going out of duty. And they actually go, I don't want to go. I just don't want to go to St. Mary's. I'm only going because I feel like I should. Everybody's doing this for fun. Nobody should be feeling like that. Everybody should be looking forward to going. It should be a good afternoon out, uh, hopefully watching some good players play some good stuff. So let's just hope it can get back to that. That's that's what ultimately you want. Hey, Anybody like us, who's been, uh, all of us who've been watching Saints a long time, we know they're not going to win every game, don't we? We know they're not going to win the league um, or anything like that. But let's give it a bit more of a go than they've been having recently. And, and let's, let's just hope that we can see some entertaining stuff, some good stuff, some good football. And I think Hassan Hootel totally hit the nail on the head. First up in that press conference when he said that is just what he wants. He said, we're not always going to win. But I want us 
to come off the pitch and every time the fans appreciate what we've tried to do. Even if it didn't work, they saw what we were trying to do and they would appreciate that if they can. I, I just think that's where they need to get to. One word then, Adam. He's been in charge for about 36 hours. He's done one training session so <laughs> far. Um, will Ralph Hazenhutl keep Saints in the Premier League? Yes. Steve? Yep. Luke? Absolutely. Smashing. That's confident enough for me. Well done. Ben? Yes, absolutely. What? <laughs> Most optimistic ever prediction. Quick, stop the pod now. <laughs> Thanks to all of you for listening, wherever you may be in the world. Hope you've enjoyed this. And um, thanks also to James, Chris, Archie and Luke for their insight. Um, also, our regulars, Steve and Adam, um, they're on the pod every week. But uh, likewise, appreciate all of their thoughts. Um, I've been Ben Stanfield. Thanks for listening to Total Saints Podcast. Obviously, we wish Ralph Hasenhutl all the very best at Saints and keep marching in. days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. Talk sport. Powered by fans.